to Love Life Church Podcast, and thank you for checking us out. We love God, love people, and love life, and we hope this message encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. We're going to go right into it. It's called rest, and it's something that the Lord really put in my heart because, you know, in this day and age, we got a lot going on. I want to share this first and foremost, and that is this. Romans 8.1 says this, and if you don't know, you're going to know right now. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is no condemnation, and that word condemnation is a guilty term. It's a statement of judgment, and there's no leeway. So God comes in and says, this is a truth you have to understand, and that is There is no, everybody say no, no final judgment upon those that are in Christ Jesus. Now, why is that so important to understand? The importance of it is this. What does the Bible do? It teaches and instructs, correct? Isn't that information, information from God who is perfect, right? And are we perfect? No. So what does that mean? We're going to get perfect information to imperfect people, which means, ouch, which means, oh my gosh, I'm not doing it. I'm not acting right. I'm not being, and we just go through this whole process of, I'm in trouble. I'm in trouble. I'm in trouble. I messed up. I screwed up. I'm bad. I'm not good. And we go through this whole thing of, of condemnation because aren't we hearing things that we should be doing? Oh my gosh, you, even, you know, we want to be all, oh, let's read the Bible and we get into what is love and we start reading the definition of God love and we're all going, you know, which one can I say I'm doing? I mean, if you're being honest, which one are you going to go? Oh, I got that one down. And so what we do is we read this stuff and it literally tells us we need change. We need to fix. We need to do better, whatever. The next stage is who we are and who are we? We're people that we're, our emotions on our shoulders. We got a chip on in our shoulders. We've got we've got frustrations. We've got pressures. We've got situations that aren't dealt with. We've got offenses. We've got sin. We've got all kinds of we're, we're, we've we got all kinds of yuck. And then we've got stability. But the point is, is when we hear something negative, I'm telling you the first response is is I'm guilty. But our guilt isn't even a, a healthy guilt. It turns into condemnation. And what do we do? If you're like me or anyone else that's going to be real, you're going to shut down. Because literally you're going to look at something and say, I I can't do that. But listen, common sense. Think about it. Is there anything in life, true life, that we've lived through the process of growing in life that we got the information, we got it down, and we ran with it right then and there? No. Everything in life is learned. And in the learning, there's an application. And in the application, guess what, guys, gals? We're going to make mess-ups. We're going to trip. We're going to screw up. And know what religious people do? Judge. Point fingers. And that's what the church is good at. Because you're not at my level. Or I'm not at your level. And so we literally bunch us all in this one stage. And we don't allow for babies, toddlers, children, teens, young adults. We don't allow for any of that 
Because why? We transform our minds into these religious ideologies and perceptions. And it robs our ability to grow. Listen, I went two years of Bible college, and I was still really screwed up. Why? Because I didn't have a foundation, a foundational understanding of God's love and God's grace. And those are the two main ingredients of being a follower of Jesus. Because if you don't know those two, you can never, ever walk a real, true Christian walk. It's impossible. You will always relate to a Pharisee, a Sadducee, a scribe. You're always going to become legalistic in what you do. And the only way you can ever be free is to understand love and grace. Not only does the Lord go over this, but the apostles major on this stuff. And so it's our responsibility to let's walk this out. So I'm going to talk about something that might make you feel guilty. I'm going to, I feel guilty doing it, all right? And the term is rest. You know what? In life, we go through these things. We go through different things. Even going to work, you can get under pressure that you usually wouldn't. It could be, have you ever had to pass Grand Avenue and a train comes? What are the trains coming for during work time? The trains should be, they should be like flowing at two in the morning, you know? But they'd be flying out at 8.30. And those trains, they don't understand what 100 train cars are. They run into the thousands. And it just goes and goes and goes and goes. And I've, I've, I've been in that position. So the pressures can come and the things that we do in life, the, it, it can be something that affects us. Your marriage, your family, you, you know, you can be single and life has pressures. Then you get married, life has mega pressures. Get kids, life has unending pressures. Isn't that true? Now, I'm not saying the pressure is always a negative. It's a pressure. You, you, got, you got your lovely kids. What would be a pressure? Clothing those lovely kids. Feeding those lovely kids. Paying bills, the lovely kids. Buying Xboxes for those lovely kids. Isn't that true? But is that a pressure? It certainly is. It is a pressure. And so what do we have to realize? I believe the Lord has shown me the word rest through an acronym will give us help in these pressures. I believe it will help all of us. And we're starting with the word R, and that is routine. Now, Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 says this. I'm going to read God's word on this, but it says this uh, translation. Come to me, all who are tired from carrying heavy loads, and I will give you rest. Place my yoke over your shoulder and learn from me, because I am gentle and humble. Then you will find rest for yourselves, because my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Isn't that a beautiful scriptures? All right. Now, let me read the King James on this. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. The Greek word here is not labor as in, you know, I labored yesterday or I labored at my job. This is more of a beating down with a heavy weight. So I need you to see it as something that's not normal. You're really weighted down, okay? And then it goes on to say, and are heavy laden. Heavy laden literally is a load that is breaking you. 
a load that you, you just, you're, you're, it's so heavy that you're crumbling, you're, you're cracking under the pressure. Anybody been under that type of pressure? Yeah. And it can be all kinds of different areas in life. But sometimes those pressures come and they are overwhelming. Then he says, I will give you rest. So what's the promise of God? I will give you rest. He said this, come to me or focus in on me. When you're under these pressures, let me ask you another question. Are a lot of these pressures self-made? Would you say most pressures are self-made? Exactly. And what does Jesus say? This is what he says in the Greek language. Own up to it then. No, he doesn't. See, this is the problem. We now say, because I did it, then I'm required to pay for it. People, that is legalism 101. Don't you understand everything we've done, who we are? All the stuff is because we made the choice to. And he still came down. He still went to the cross. He still said, I love you. And that's what you have to understand. And when you can get hold of that, rest becomes more available in the, in the sense that I can't deny myself something that Jesus is promising me, even though I put this pressure on me. He said, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. He said, take my yoke. And you know, when you watch an older movie or whatever, a yoke is where two oxen had this piece of wood wrapped around their necks and then there's leather strapping. And what that was is it was for the ability of two oxen or two bulls to pull the wagon, but it also gave the ability for a weaker one to be helped by a stronger one. And so what happens is, is God says, I'm going to yoke you with me. And because of that, you're going to rely on me. You're going to be strengthened by my leading. And he says, learn from me. So we need to take responsibility to learn from him, right? He goes, I'm gentle. I'm in a position where I'm not boastful in, in how I'm viewing life. I'm looking at life understanding. I understand where you're at. I'm understanding what's hurting you. I understand the pressures. He said, I've been here, done that. And that's what he has. He's been tempted in all points as we have. And that's a scary thought. But it's a true statement. So Jesus understands. He understands the attacks. He understands the pressures. But he said, listen, you connect with me. You will find rest for what? Your soul. How you live your life is tied to that area of mind, your will, your emotions. Everything you experience right now in the natural is tied to that. And so we have to understand the benefits of it. How do we connect with these things? Listen, life pressures come from two major areas, external and internal. We understand that. External are things that we're not necessarily in control of. It could be a layoff. It could be a boss making a decision. It could be a person running a red light. Listen, it can be all kinds of things. It could be someone that's pressuring you. It could be someone that, you know, uh, maybe a family member, whatever. Those are the external pressures. We understand that, right? Then there's our internal ones. And the internal ones are the ones that we put on ourselves. We second guess ourselves. We demand more than we ought to. Remember when I, when I talk about marriage, I, I, you know, most people are freaking out because their marriage isn't perfect. And I'll ask them, I've been doing this for years. When I do talk to couples, I'll say, why do you deserve a perfect marriage? And you know what the mindset is? It's the same with everybody because I got married. Have you ever, have you ever heard people go, you know, 
having a child and their assumption is they're going to be the greatest parent in the world? Why? Why do you say that? You're only trained by how you were raised. And I guarantee you, most people are going, I'll never, anybody in here, I'll never do what my parents did. I'll never, I'll never. That's what we do. But guess what? Yes, you will. You'll do exactly unless you become retrained in the renewing of your mind. You won't change nothing. It's going to be automatic. It's a conscious way of life. Not living subconsciously, a conscious way of life. All right? So we're going to look at the acronym of the word REST. And we'll start with R, of course. And R is routine. Now, routine meaning this. Jesus said, learn of me, correct? Learn of me. Routine meaning we need to learn Jesus' routine. All right? His routine. So what I see in his routine, I see, first and foremost, Luke 4, 16 says, when Jesus came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, his custom was, everybody say custom was. I mean, that's his routine, what he usually did, right? His routine, what he usually did, he went to the synagogue. He went to church on the Sabbath. Okay, that's what he's saying. His custom was he went to church. Now, do not get legal in what I'm trying to tell you right now. I'm trying to show you a principle, not a church attendance, because I know a lot of miserable Christians. They go to church. It's not the church attendance. It's, you know, going to McDonald's doesn't make you a hamburger. Going to church doesn't make you, quote, a Christian. It's a responsibility that we have to hear and do, hear and do. I don't care where you go, where you're at, what state you're in, what country you live in. You got to hear and do everything in life. I'm not talking about Bible. I'm talking about life in general, which includes the Bible. You got to hear and do. So here he's saying, he's showing us this. This is what he did. He was faithful at it. What else was Jesus faithful at? We know he spent time in prayer. What is that called? Talking with the Lord. Not talking to God, talking with. I, I think that's so important to understand, to talk with God. Not to him, with him. Amen? Because conversation's both ways. So he says what? He spends time with the Father. You see it all the time. He'd get away by himself, spend time with the Father. He'd communicate. What else do we see? He says, I only hear and speak what the Father does. So he spoke the word of God. So we see that during his time, there was the meditating, there was the processing God's word, and there was speaking God's word. You know what? Sometimes I get scared of, of just making comments like this. And the reason why is because I'm telling you, most of the time we're listening through these religious ears. And we start hearing this and we start defining we start saying, what, so I'm supposed to just walk around quoting scripture? Because I guarantee you that's the first thought that comes in. Speak God's word means all I'm supposed to do is quote scripture. That is not at all what this is about. This is the ability to communicate by abiding by Bible principles, knowing God's word. The Bible shows me, be angry, sin not. So I go on going, be angry, sin not. Be angry, sin not. No. How do I speak God's word? Well, then I make it life. And that is, all right, I can get angry about this, but I'm not going to go over the line. I can get angry at this, but I'm not going to let it get me to a place where I'm wrong. What am I doing? I, I, I'm telling you right now, I'm quoting scripture 100%. It's not religious, it's life now. Religion means I'm using a scripture mainly for the purpose of 
speaking it out for that you can hear a scripture. Not necessarily for me. I need to know that the Bible says that. But how do I apply it? Life. The Bible says to, to love your wife as Christ loved the church. So what am I supposed to do? According to what I see Jesus did, he went to the cross and died for it. So what should I do? Build a cross and die for my wife? Isn't that what it says? Yeah, I see the guys right now going, we ain't going that way at all. But isn't that the scripture? Love your wives as Christ loved the church. And it, it goes on to say, and he gave himself. What do we do? Well, we take the scripture and then we apply it to our lives. And that means that if he showed that level of love to that sacrifice, how much more can I show love on an anniversary or on a, just a, on, on a daily basis of being grateful? How much more? If he went to that ultimate position of showing love, the stuff that I could do is not dying on the cross, but it's an understanding of showing love. And I know a lot of you guys understand that. You're, you're doing the little things, but a lot of us, you know, we need a little help. So the word of God helps us grasp these things and it helps us understand. Listen, he lived the word. Well, you might be thinking, did you ever hear Jesus? The only time I heard Jesus speak scripture was when he was going against the devil on the devil's lie of scripture. That's the only time. In other words, he or to the religious Pharisees and Sadducees, notice, and you might be thinking, well, why them? Because they were children of the devil. So only in that lineup did he communicate scripture. And most of the time, the scripture wasn't specifically to attack, but to reveal how they were receiving the wrong definition of the scripture. He would do it all the time. He goes, you do this, and you say this, and then you live this way. And he said, that's not correct. But in his life, he quoted scripture. How did he quote scripture? Well, when, that, when the woman caught men of adultery, was thrown down to him, and they said, cast the first stone, quoting scripture. And he said, what? Well, you have no sin, you cast it. And they walked away, and he said, I don't condemn you. Why? Because he doesn't do that. I don't convict you and judge you. Why? Because he's about life. So we have to have the routines. Let me give you some life keys on routines. Life should not be a daily unraveling. It should be filled with purpose. It shouldn't be where we're getting up and just, ah, unravel. Everything's a mess from the beginning till the end. It should be a day filled with purpose. Second one is this. Successful people do daily what unsuccessful people do on occasion. Successful people have a specific routine that they do. People that don't have success, they rarely do anything that's going to benefit their lives. But they want success, and it doesn't work that way. Jesus' routine, again, he talked with God, he walked with God, he meditated on God's word, he spoke God's word. What else did he do? He enjoyed life. He was a builder and encourager. That's what he did. So that is his routine. Why don't we make that our routine? Wouldn't that be great? All right, let me give you five routine keys. Number one, morning routine. Be in control and empowered in your life. I got this this morning. Throne before phone. All right, I know that didn't talk about anybody in here, but this will be good for the people you know. Throne before the phone. This is your morning routine. Shouldn't be running to Facebook. 
Instagram, looking up the latest tweet. Your morning should start off, good morning, Father. It should seeking first him, placing him in control with your life and saying, I love this day. It's a wonderful day. It's a day you made for me, and I'm going to choose to rejoice in it. So what you're doing is, is you're establishing your morning. You're empowering your life by making sure that he's first. It's an important thing, and guess what? You might be very robotic at the beginning, but everything we learn is exactly tied to that. You don't teach a child something, and they just get it. they got to become robotic about it. And sometimes, doesn't it look a little sloppy? God, come on, parents, remember teaching your kids how to brush their teeth? I saw my kids get more toothpaste on their face than in their mouth. Everywhere, just everywhere. I, I mean, we were going through, you know, tubes of it every, every week. Parents, am I telling the truth? It was crazy. But they consistently continue to do it. The point is, is it takes a process of time, doesn't it? Why do we get weird? Why do we get weird in life? Why do we do this? to ourselves and to one another. Why do not, we do not have a place of what I believe the Bible teaches rather than pulling in this Old Testament legalistic viewpoint of life? Listen, God had two to three million people he had to control and he had to do it through specific laws and regulations just for the nation and then specific laws for the specific understanding of you'll never make it. Your flesh and your attitude is going to continue to show that you need a Savior. And that's what it would do. So we got to have a right morning routine. Amen? All right, number two, confess your day. I love this one. Confess your day. That is the word prophesy. Usually when churches hear the word prophesy, they start looking for the prophetic people or the ones that are able, that are spiritual. Let me tell you what prophecy is as far as what the Bible shows us and what the word is in the Greek language, all right? The word is prophetia, prophetia. It's a compound word, two words brought together, all right? It literally means to speak forward. That's the Greek language, to speak forward. Prophecy means to speak forward God's word. You should be getting up every morning and prophesying to your life, prophesying to your husband and your wife, prophesying, if you have kids, prophesying to them, not necessarily running up to them and say, E-A-E, I got a prophecy for you. I'm not talking that. I'm saying prophesy over their lives. You will be successful today. You're going to receive the instruction. It's going to make empower you. And you speak to your husband. You will be a man of God and you will walk mighty in today's life. And you will prosper and you will bring me home some gold. You, and you just prophesy, prophesy, prophesy. Husbands, prophesying. You will learn how to cook that way better. You, no, <laughs> just kidding. She might be making more money than you, so you got to watch that stuff. But listen, you speak, you prophesy. Do you understand what I'm saying? Why do I say that's important? Because it is a God gift to every believer. Every believer. I'm not talking about the church gift of prophecy for the assembling. I'm talking about your rightful position to prophesy in your life. Your rightful position to confess the right confession. 
Speak it in there. Speak it there. Speak it there. You know why Job had a messed up life? Because he prophesied death and destruction. He prophesied always his kids were going to go and sin and they were going to do bad. That's what he kept saying over and over and over. And it opened the door for the enemy because those are the words that he spoke out of his mouth. You know, what's funny is a lot of people love to take scriptures out of Job. You know, one of God's last comments, he says, none of you know me and none of you spoke truth. And do you believe that literally church people pull scriptures out of Job as if this is God speaking in the sense that these are words from God because they say the Lord says and God at the end goes, you guys lie. Nothing you said was true. Yeah, you need to say a lot of that, huh? That means to think about it because I know we've been guilty of that, haven't we? All we have to do is let the word of God straighten us up and we'll be on track. It's, it's okay. We need it. We need the freedom. We need this truth and the truth and applying it sets us free. Not just truth, applying the truth sets us free. Let's prophesy over our kids. Let's prophesy. Listen, can I stop right now and just be truthful with you? You are. My wife, I just, oh my gosh. If she could only be like prophecy, prophecy. You don't know my husband, he's an idiot. He doesn't do this and he doesn't do that. He's just prophecy. And I just, I, I can't stop. Prophecy. See, we want to make this religious. Like, how am I going to prophesy? We're good at it. It's time to do it correctly. If you see issues, if you see weaknesses, this is what you don't do. Wife, I'm going to prophesy to you. You're a little lazy. You need to be stronger. That's dumb. There's no wisdom in that. But what you do is when you're controlling and operating your life, you're prophesying God's word promises. Church, you're not going to find God telling you that he leads by the Holy Spirit by tearing people down. You'll never find it. Gossiping, backbiting, division, you'll never find it. But you will see in his word consistently say, build, edify, love. That's all you're going to see Jesus and his word speak about how we're supposed to be. Not divide, tear down, gossip, evil, backbite. You'll never see God agree with that. And it's amazing how many Christians want to line up the Holy Spirit with that type of action. It's satanic. It's not God. You want to find a God conversation? It's going to be filled with encouragement, building, even when you screwed up. Why? Because that's what he does. He doesn't sit there and blast you. Every time I see Jesus in the midst of even lack of faith, he's helping and strengthening and protecting first and foremost before he says anything else. And when he does, it's never for destruction. It's never to hurt. It's always bring forth life. Just understand that. This is what the Bible teaches. I know there's a whole lot of people out there, especially leaders, that don't know the Bible. But we are going to know it, right? Not religiously. We're going to know the truth. And we're going to apply it. And we're going to make it simple. And I tell the kids, I was telling the teens this. I go, listen, if I can't make this so simple for you guys to get hold of this, I'm not teaching the truth at all. I'm not teaching you. I need you to get it. You know what I was doing Saturday morning? I was teaching them the keys of what it means, fall of Adam, to the life of Jesus, to our life. You know what I was doing? I was laying on the floor. I was crawling on the floor. I was, I was taking water and pouring it all over the place. And what I was doing is I was showing them a simple way of understanding this whole Bible information of fallen man. And guess what? They got it. It was so simple. 
I got it. I was, I was less confused about it. And the reason why is, see, guess what? From doing that, this is what's so beautiful about this. When I do them, I go to the next group, and oh, I'm like going, I've got revelation on this stuff. And I'm able to go a different level to the older ones. That the teens, this, it isn't for them. Then I go to this level, and all of a sudden, I expand to a level that they're at. But I use some of the same analogies. You know, I talk about, hey, would you think it's right to go poop in your pants right now? And you know how teens and young adults are going to do. <laughs> That's stupid. Ooh, gross. You know, now this is exactly what people do. Oh, believe me, I'm not trying to say it's right, but this is what people do. And we all go, That's disgusting. But you let a one year old do it, and we're even letting them finish. <laughs> is this true or not? Yeah. Well, wait a minute. Then we must be liars and sinners. Because we're allowing that, we wouldn't do it right now. But what is the truth? The truth is the maturity level, where we're at in our understanding of life. Pooping pants at that age is acceptable. We want it to stop, but we know there's going to be a time frame of that, right? Guess what? Some kids, your own kids, some get it quicker, some take longer than others. We allow the process to take its place because they're not the same kid. You don't understand what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, is we get it, but at this age, we say, no. This is the Christian walk. Because when is life about one specific subject, and if you ace it, that's your whole life. That is the biggest con in the world. No, we're filled with all kinds of subjects and understandings. The point is, is that is true life. And people that understand this, understand that's how you look at people's lives. I can look at some of you and see a little poo-poo in your pants and go, it's all right. And then others, I can see poo-poo in your pants and go, that is disgusting. Either way, didn't you get something out of this? Because I, I believe, honestly, with all my heart, I believe that in this life of pressure, inward or outward, we can connect. We start the routine. We start the routine correctly of, of understanding that we have to have a routine. We get up and process that routine, all right? We can't force it. We've got to give ourselves some time, right? You ever rush to work? Doesn't that make work even worse? But when you, when you have a little extra time, doesn't it make it feel better? You're like going, I'm okay. And then if you go across Grand Avenue and there's a train, you're like going, all good, all good. But if you're, you're barely making it and it hits it, then you're cursing and you're throwing fits and you're mad and you're angry and you're, you're coming up with lies, what to say to the boss. And I mean, isn't it all because of these pressures? And so what we do is we connect, recognize, and hey, listen, I think that when you look at life correctly and you start realizing, you know what? I need to control this. I need to take control. And by that, I need to learn how to speak correctly into my day, speak into other people's lives. How many of you get up and for a, a supervisor, a manager above you, someone that has the ability to really mess with you and say, I bless them in the name of Jesus. I say their life is going to be awesome today, that they're going to hear some good news. What? What's wrong with that? What's wrong with speaking these things out? Listen, the power you have to create with your words is amazing. Let's start speaking good over ourselves because we can be really mean and honorary with our lives, can't we? And we can really destroy our own personality just by what we speak over ourselves. Let's start speaking good. Does not the Bible say... Let the weak say, I am strong. 
Doesn't the Bible say that? See, we tend to think that we can't be lying to ourselves by not speaking what we truly feel. And that's a lot of the millennial age's mindset, too, of how they're really in tune to the area of feelings and being someone that is legit in their feelings and understandings of who they are. They want authenticity. I want authenticity. But you can also take that to the extreme. And God's saying this, you might be feeling this way, but it's time for you to speak what I promise over your life. That's the truth. And so when you start speaking, I am strong, when everything says you're weak, doesn't mean you're a liar. doesn't mean you're not being authentic. It just means you're doing what God said. It's going to bring success into your life. You had plumbing backed up in your house, and it was toilet couldn't flush, overflowing, sink overflowing, and everything is just backed up a mess. And you call a plumber, expert, and you say, I've got a problem at my house. The plumbing is backed up. Everything's overflowing. Nothing is draining. What do I do? And the plumber says, I'll be right over and I'll fix your problem. And the guy with the problem says, that's okay. I just wanted you to know my problem. And that's why I believe a lot of people are living their lives. They're trying to say, let me share my problems, but don't try to help me. I think it's time for us to get away. Thanks again for listening. To hear more encouraging messages just like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. If you've loved what you received, please consider rating it and sharing it with your friends and family. For more information about Love Life and getting connected with us, go to lovelife.church. We love you and are believing God's best for you.